That is amazing. Man, we are so excited that you guys are here with us for our very first service here at Monarch High School, Coastal Community Church, man. We are just so glad that you're here. And uh, one of the things that we like to do is, is we know that there are a ton of other churches that are meeting on a Sunday morning all throughout our community. And uh, we know that God is going to do something awesome here, but we want to pray for some of those other churches. And we want to believe that God would do something awesome in their community. So why don't we go ahead and take a moment and just pray and just believe God that he'll do some amazing things. So, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in our community, God, that, that we're not the only churches, but God, there are a ton of churches in our community that are proclaiming your name and proclaiming your greatness here this morning. And Lord, I just pray for some of those. God, I pray specifically for First Christian Church of Margate, God, and, and Pastor Jesse Keg there, Lord, as, as they're praying that, that their congregation would fully grasp the gospel and what that means for them as individuals, Lord. And, and as Pastor Jesse has become a friend here, God, they were here praying for us this morning before their church service. God, they were coming over here and praying, and we just lift up their service right now, that you would do something great in those people's hearts. God, that they would fully grasp who you are and what you want to do in their lives. God, we also pray for St. Vincent Catholic Church and Father Joe. God, is there in the process of merging churches, and we saw an amazing merger of a church that was previously meeting in this school with another church. And I just pray for their merger, God, that there would be grace and there would be peace and there would be unity between those churches, God. And I pray for the rest of the churches in our community that are meeting today, God, that you would show up and transform people's lives to see you for all that you are and what you want to do inside of each and every one of their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise there. Hey, at this time, I want you to take two or three minutes and walk around and greet two or three people and tell that person, what's up? <laughs> taking like five minutes so uh i said two or three man you guys aren't listening to directions very well but whatever seriously seriously we got a time crunch to be on here no i'm just kidding with you guys man we are we are so pumped that you guys are here for our very service very first service we know that god is going to do some amazing things and uh man we just have a couple of quick announcements for you guys um the first one is this is that we have s some outreaches that we're doing this saturday starting at 9 a.m at at we're going to be meeting at the church offices, which are located at 5760 Wiles Road. And we're going to be going out. We're going to be bring, taking bottles of water to our community, going and giving popsicles away at ball fields, and just showing people God's love in a practical way. And if you would like to get some more information on that, we would love for you to sign up at our information table or check it out on the web, and, and you'd be able to find out more information there. But it's a great opportunity for us to share God's love practically with people in our community that, that are desperate for some hope and some cool, refreshing water on a daily basis. And then also, you know, we're a new church. A lot of you guys, you're, you're experiencing us for the very first time. And uh, on Sunday, September 27th, we're going to have a newcomer's reception right after this service in that cafeteria here at, uh, at Monarch High School. And it's just an opportunity for you guys to, to get to know us a little bit better, hear our story, and find out maybe a little bit more about the church and, and see if this is a place that you would like to get connected in with. And if you would like to sign up for that, we're going to have food at that. You can sign up at the information table on your way out. Um, also at this time, why don't we go ahead and, well, I was going to say and welcome all of our first-time guests, but I think... Um, <laughs> You guys all qualify for that, so uh, 
So everybody, on your way in, in your bulletin, you got a little connection card. Man, if you would take two or three minutes and fill that out, and uh, if you would drop that in the offering bucket as it comes by at the end of service, we'd love to connect up with you. We'd love to, to get to know you and, and share more about what we're doing. Man, we're not going to come and harass you at your house and knock on your door. You might get a door hanger at some point from somebody else or whatever. But we're, we're going to make this a no-confrontation kind of church. We're just going to love people right where they are. But we'd love to connect with you. And, uh, and so, man, we're just, we're just excited. And if you guys would turn your attention to the screen for uh, a last little gig here. You remember as a kid playing the game of freeze tag? You remember how much fun it was just running like there was, there was nothing holding you back and just enjoying the freedom that you were experiencing. But yet at the same time, you always knew that something was lurking right around the corner, something that would grab hold of you and freeze you or paralyze you. And today it's no different. It seems like we're running so hard all the time, but yet feeling so overwhelmed. It's like that game of freeze tag as a kid, except for now today, we're being paralyzed by the fear that grips us. The reality is, is that, that, we're, that we're frozen so many times while it seems like opportunities just pass us by and by. And the reality is, is that we all have fears in life. And the reality is, is that, that fear can be in our lives, but it does not have to paralyze us. And this is the thing, guys, is fear leads to mediocrity. It, really, it leads to this place of what could have been or what would have been or maybe what should have been. And listen, fear can taunt you, but it cannot touch you. And it will try to lead, but you don't have to follow. And, and the thing is, is fear will try to dominate your life, but it doesn't have to dictate your decisions. And it will try to rule. But listen, guys, there is a power that is greater than is out there that God has given to us. And my question to you is, what will you do? Will you procrastinate? Will you run away? Or will you try to avoid the situation? Or will you choose to break free from the chains that hold you back and paralyze you? Listen, guys, today is the day now is the time to live the life that God has called you to live. Well, we're so excited that you're here with us for the series Paralyzed. And, uh, and, and I know that a lot of people are going through things today. And, uh, you know, life is tough. And uh, today I want to kind of start our conversation by walking over here and standing by this wall. And... Uh, you know, we have a, an expression in our English language that says that there are times in our lives when we have got our backs against the wall. And if you guys ever heard that before where you're like, man, I just, just got my back against the wall. And, and these, these aren't easy times. I mean, they're, they're typically really, really tough times. And, uh, you know, I, I talk to tons of people who say, you know what, I've got my back against the wall vocationally. You know, there's deadlines, there's quotas, there's downsizing, there's right-sizing. There's all these things happening at work. And, man, it's just pressure. And I talk to tons of churchgoers who say, you know what, right now I've just got my back against the wall. There's people dealing with health issues out there and they're, they're in and out of hospitals and, and they're, they're in all this pain and they're wondering, am I ever going to get better? Is this, ever gonna, is this pain ever going to stop? Am I ever going to see a better day? And they've got their back against the wall. Then there's some teenagers that are out there and they've, they're in different kinds of relationships with their peers or in a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend and, and uh, you know, there's all kinds of pressure to do drugs or to have sex and, and they don't necessarily want to do those things but because they want to be accepted, you know, they're being pressured to do those things and they've got their back against the wall. 
There's people that are out there that, you know, this is a, is a tough economic market, man. I mean, you know, the, it, the finances are, are really tight. You know, people are trying to rub together two nickels to make a dollar. And it seems like they're living paycheck to paycheck. And there's more month than there is money. And, and every day they're saying, man, I've, I've got my back against the wall financially. There's people that are dealing with relationship things, man. You, you know, the, you're, you're in a relationship with your, some of your family or some of your friends, and man, there's just strife and there's tension going on there. Or, or maybe you're even dealing with something in your marriage. Maybe you even have an impending divorce happening. And I can remember just uh, a little over seven years ago when my wife and I were in that same exact situation. I can remember my back was against the wall. And, and I remember I was working with my stepdad one day, and we were, we were in a job. We were in a house doing a remodeling job in a bathroom, and I was standing in a bathtub, and I was peeling wallpaper of all things. And uh, <laughs> very exciting, you know. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so I'm in there, and I'm peeling wallpaper, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm reflecting on my, my marriage with my wife, Shayla, and, and we're, we're married for maybe two and a half years at that point. And, and as these pieces of paper were falling off the wall, I just saw our relationship falling apart. And, and uh, I was thinking, I was like, man, we're married, but we're really just like roommates. I mean, we have our own sets of friends. We have our own sets of finances. And, and man, things were just bad. And I was sitting there, and I was like, man, I've got my back against the wall. And maybe some of you guys are here today, and you're saying, I cannot believe this guy is talking about this, because you know what? I, I'm dealing with some of those same things right now, man. My, my health is in, is in turmoil, and my fan, finances are falling apart, and my relationships, they're, they're just a mess right now. And I've got my back against the wall. And you know, we've, we've got all these things happening from the economy to the housing market to, to the unemployment rate. All these things keep pushing us further and further back until finally our back's against the wall and we're stuck and we're paralyzed paralyzed by fear we're paralyzed by our situation we're paralyzed by our adversity and this and this whole series was was birthed out of a, a verse that i was reading in habakkuk and it, and it said the lord it's a habakkuk 319 it says the lord god is my strength my personal bravery, my invincible army. He makes my feet like hind's feet and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, and responsibility. So many times in life, we're in these places of trouble and suffering, and, 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 and we're just paralyzed. We're stuck in those places, man. And, and God's saying, man, I don't want you to be stuck here and stand still in terror. But I've given you hind feet. I've given you the ability to walk through those situations and to find hope in me because I'm your strong fortress and I'm your tower. And today, and today we're going to dive in a little bit. And we're going to, if you have your Bible with you, if you want to turn to it, and, and we're going to look at Exodus chapter 14. We're going to look at a story there. And, uh, and, and as you guys are turning there, I want you guys uh, to see, I kind of want to give you a backdrop of what's happening and uh, this is a story of where Moses, you know, he, he went to Pharaoh. Maybe you guys saw the, the, the movie Moses with Charlton Heston. You know, he goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, let my people go. You guys all remember that scene? And he's like, no, I will not let your people go, you know. And it goes back and forth a couple of times. And, and uh, finally, you know, they, they have this thing called the Passover that happens where they go and all the Israelites put the blood of the lamb over their door and their firstborn son's not killed. But, but the Egyptians, they didn't do that because they didn't believe in God. And so they just, they just let it and their firstborn children were killed. And, uh, and finally they're like, you know what, we're going to let your people go finally. And so as they're pushing them out of their country, they're like, here, take all of our stuff. Here's the Mercedes-Benz chariot. Here's the Gucci watch. You know, here's, here's everything you've ever desired. Just take it 
can't get out of here. And, uh, man, the children of Israel, they're, like, doing a jig going out. They're just pumped. They're like, man, life is great. Life is grand. You know, everything is awesome. And, uh, but before long, the Egyptians kind of realize uh, they made a mistake because their entire economy was built on the backs of the Israelites. And uh, they're like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And so the Israelites, man, they're, they're jamming on their journey to the promised land. And they're just thinking, man, we are great. We are grand. And uh, before long, they hear this stampede. And this floor is great for that. And so, uh, and, so <laughs> and so they're coming. And all of a sudden, the Israelites finally get to this place where the Red Sea is back here. And they've got the impending Egyptian army coming at them. And, and scholars say that there were probably about 1.5 million Israelite men, which means that there's probably close to 3 to 5 million total Israelites there with livestock and children and, and stuff. And, man, they were just, all of a sudden, they were just scared to death of what's going to happen. You know, they're, they're like, oh, my gosh, what is taking place here? And uh, they end up with their backs against the wall. And so many times I think that, that the, the children of Israel and us are in the same situation. You know, we've got this impending thing coming, ag coming against us and uh, that is coming to enslave us. Our fears, our obstacles, our adversity, we see it out there. And we see it, it paralyzes us. Just like the Egyptians were coming to enslave them, so many times our fears and our failures and our obstacles, they paralyze us and they enslave us. And I think the, that the way that the, the children of Israel reacted, and I think the same way that you and I react a lot, is what we're going to look at here today. And I want to take a look and see how they respond in this story. And if you want to pick it up, in verse 10 it says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And here's the deal, guys. A lot of times we get scared. You know, when, when things are coming against us, when, when obstacles and fear are in front of us, man, we just get scared and we become paralyzed. And, and, and let me ask you a question, man. Do we make better or worse decisions in a state of terror? I don't know about y'all, but I definitely make worse decisions in the state of terror. I'll never forget, uh, I, was, I was on a trip, and I was flying back to the, to the U.S., and uh, I was about two hours out from Miami International Airport, and, you know, when you're on a plane, you never like the fasten seatbelt sign to come on too early, you know, because it's never a good sign, and we're about two hours out, and the pilot comes on where there's some turbulent weather up here, fasten your seatbelts, and I'm like, great, man, this is going to be a lot of fun, and you start getting the bumps and stuff, and you start shaking, and you know, and that's not really enjoyable. People are throwing up and all that kind of stuff. It's, 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 it's a terrible thing. And, uh, but about 45 minutes after that, all of a sudden, our plane just, we hear this boom, and it just drops for like the next 30 seconds. And in a state of terror, it is amazing the way people react. Man, people were unbuckling their seatbelts, crawling over other seats, crawling over other people, trying to get to exit doors. I don't know where they're going to exit to. And, and, and strangers are grabbing other strangers, and they're hugging them for dear life. Other people are yelling and swearing. People are got the seats with the white knuckles. They're gripped. They're gritting their teeth. And, and it's pure pandelarium. And, uh, and before long, the, the plane kind of levels out and and. and and the captain comes over the, the speaker and says, hey, guys, you know what, man, I, I'm so sorry. We, we, had to, we had to maneuver the plane to get to a, a safer pocket of air. And so, you know, all the people that are at the doors that just crawled all over everybody to get there, you know, they're kind of hanging their heads, walking back to their seat. And, 
the, the people that are hugging one another are pushing them away. They're like, I don't know you. And the, the people that are swearing are like, I'm so sorry, ma'am, to swear in front of your kids. And, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> and it, it just was amazing. And, and I know some of you guys are like, well, what were you doing while all that was happening? Well, I mean, of course, I was praying, man. I mean, that's what spiritual people do, right? They, they pray in those times. <laughs> well, I was bringing God down now. <laughs> The, the reality was, is I was praying, and I, I was praying that the person next to me wouldn't hug me. Because uh, <laughs> the only thing worse than dying is dying in the arms of a stranger. That's all I, uh, you know, and so. <laughs> but, I mean, when we're in a state of terror, we make the worst decisions. I mean, we just do the craziest things, and we're like, why would we do that? And uh, the, the reality is, is, is on that plane ride, we couldn't see the pilots. We didn't understand what was happening, but they were up there guiding and maneuvering our plane to make it to a safe passage. You know what? And so many times in life, we don't see God and we don't understand. We don't know what's happening. But so many times when our back's against the wall and we're paralyzed, God is guiding and directing our lives to get us to a safe passage so we can make it through. In fact, in Psalms 27, 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I even be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me. Circle that, those two words, protecting me from danger. So why should I trouble? So why should I tremble? we got to understand that God is there protecting us. And we got to understand that even when we can't see it and we don't understand it, that he is right there. And in fact, this Friday, one of the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan, was inducted into the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. And uh, yeah, Michael Jordan fans out there. I'm from Chicago. They're the best. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he said something that was, that was profound to me. He said, limits like fears are just an illusion. The fears that we're facing, when we get terrified and we're fr- afraid, they're just an illusion. They're a figment of our imagination because God is right there protecting us. Even though it's something that we see, it's just an illusion into the fact that God is doing something bigger in our lives. And so a lot of times we get scared. The second thing we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to blame others. Uh, I, I love the, the Israelites' response here. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? I mean, what have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And, uh, you know, what they're saying here is, man, Moses, come on, man. Wasn't there any cheap burial plots in Egypt that you brought us out here to get a better deal on something? I mean, what's up with that? I mean, didn't you know that in, in Egypt we had great jobs and a promising future? Come on, man. Why are you bringing us out here? And the reality is, is man, when we're sarcastic and, and we start to blame others, when we blame our friends or our family, or a spouse, or a boss, maybe our boss is our spouse. I mean, does it ever do anything good? Does it ever help the situation? No, man. And I, and I found this story of this minor league baseball manager, man, he, uh, his center fielder one day was, was having a rough day. He was missing some fly balls and mis, misplaying some grounders. And, and finally, he was like, man, this just isn't going well. And he's like, between innings, he grabbed the center fielder, and he's like, dude, you're coming out. I'm going to show you what's up and show you how it's done. And uh, he went and assumed center field himself. He's like, I'm going to teach this young punk what's up. And uh, so he goes out there, and he goes to field the first, first ball, and it's a low grounder. And as he goes down to get it, it pops up and pops him right in the mouth and busts his lip open. And he's a little upset right now. He's like, all right, man, I got this next one. He's, he's going back for his next one. It's a long fly ball, and he kind of misjudges it in the sun, and it pops him in the forehead. So now he's just, he's just a little angry. I mean, he's got a bloody lip and a, a big old knot on his forehead. And he's like, man, I, something's wrong out here. And the next ball is a line drive, and it just tips off his glove. 
and pops him right in the chest. And, and he just throws down his, his glove in anger and runs into the dugout and grabs his, his center fielder by the jersey and says, you idiot, you've got center field so messed up that even I can't do anything about it. <laughs> and so many times in life, I mean, that's, that's what we do. We want to blame other people for the things that, that we mess up and that, that are going wrong in our lives. And, and the reality is when we succeed in blaming others, our problems and our situations are still the same. They haven't changed. We've just brought others into the mix, and we are still stuck and paralyzed. And uh, so we get scared and we blame others. And sometimes we imagine the worst-case scenario where we just say, man, it's, it's all bad. And, and, the, and the Israelites, they're, man, they're like, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. And, uh, you know, the worst-case scenario is a tough place because it's so easy to do. I mean, I, my mind, I don't know about you guys, but my mind is like a rotisserie grill, man. I can, I can take, like, having a bad hair day, and before long, you, got, you guys noticed something about my hair, is it? But I can just turn, come on, settle down, settle down. I can just turn that thing and turn it and turn it and turn it. Before the end of the day, the world is coming to an end. You know what I'm saying? And we go through life, and, and, we, and we do that. And, and I, have a, I have a good friend, and uh, I was, you know, his, his wife is an interesting character. And uh, how many of you guys have heard of this thing called WebMD? Anybody? A couple of people. It is like the worst invention ever on the Internet. Um, don't ever go to that site. But anyways, his, his wife is passionate about WebMD, and... Uh, and I was over there staying at their house, and I mean, this is how passionate she was. I was like, man, I'm, I'm trying out this diet, and as you guys can tell, it really didn't work. But uh, the next morning, I woke up, and there were like seven pages of WebMD underneath my door as to why I shouldn't do this diet. And, uh, <laughs> but every time I talked to him, he's like, oh, man, my, my wife, she was on WebMD, and she's looking at all these symptoms, and uh, she's got a new disease. And, you know, and every day, it's like she's got something new. She imagines the worst-case scenario. And so one day, I'm like, man, I'm going to start looking this up. And I start looking at the symptoms, and I'm like, how in the world does this lady have testicular cancer? I mean, how does that even work? I mean, I, I didn't even know she had testiculars. I mean, I, I don't even get it. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And uh, but what we do is we go and we just imagine this worst-case scenario. And the reality is, is it does not help one bit. And, uh, <laughs> I found some studies that, that talked about this very thing. Because when we imagine the worst-case scenario, man, it just stresses us out. It just causes all this tension in our lives. And it says, the studies showed that up to 90% of all health problems are related to stress. In fact, people who ineffectively manage their stress levels have a 40% higher death rate than non-stressed individuals. And three different 10-year studies concluded that emotional stress was more predictive of death from cancer and cardiovascular disease than smoking. And when we imagine the worst-case scenario, man, it just wrecks us. God didn't intend for us to operate in this stressed-out environment. And Jesus talked about this very thing in Matthew 6, 27. He says, who of you by worrying, who of you by freaking out and imagining the worst-case scenario can add a single hour to his life? Who of us can add one hour by, by imagining the worst-case scenario? And I'll tell you what, you know, when Shayla and I were in our, our marriage situation, it definitely didn't take years off my life that I know of. But I will tell you this, it definitely took some hairs off my head. And so, um, you know, the, this response... Of, of being afraid and of blaming others and of imagining the worst case scenario is, is understandable 
But guys, we've got to realize it is completely and totally unproductive. It doesn't help at all. And we've got to, to realize when our backs are against the wall, when we are paralyzed by fear and situations and adversity, how we respond in those situations is going to determine where we end up. What our response is to the adversity that's in front of us, to the fears that we're facing, to the giants that are, that are holding us down, is what's going to determine where we end up. And so today I want to, I want to take a look at, at how Moses responded and how I believe that God wants you and I to respond when adversity and fears and things are coming against us in our life. And so we're going to take out a look at it, Exodus 14, verse 13. It says, Moses answered the people and said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. And the first thing that I think is important that we do is we've got to fear not. And, and let me ask you guys this question. Is it possible to even fear not? Or, or let me even phrase it a little bit different. Is it possible to tame the wild and irrational thoughts that flood our mind? I mean, because they're there and they're going through all the time. And I think a lot of us have done this professionally, but we have yet to begin to do it spiritually. I mean, I talk to professionals all the time. I have a good friend who's a stockbroker, and, and you know, markets go up and down. It's like an emotional roller coaster if you're a stockbroker. And one day I was like, dude, how do, you, how do you deal with this? I mean, one day the market's up like 500 points, and the next day it drops like 700 points, and so you just lost 200. You were high one day, and you're low the next. And, man, that's, that's just got to be an emotional terror apart every single day. And he's like, you know, a lot of people operate that way, but for me, I, I focus on the long-term goals, and I stick to the, to the disciplines that I've, that I've set before, and so I'm not looking at the daily things. I'm looking at the long-term goals that I've set ahead, and I focus on those, and I thought, wow, what a, what a great thought. And then there's surgeons who go into surgery, and I mean, they're, they're operating on brains and different things, and, and something can go wrong, and if they freak out in that situation, man, people die. But instead, they focus in, and they, they sew things up, and they, they operate, and before long, people have life. I mean, there's, there's moms with three preschool kids who operate daily, and if they can make it through, you know what, we can too. <laughs> Bro, you have three preschool kids, you know what's up. So, and that's the thing. And so, you know, for me, I, I learned this at a, at a young age. Uh, my parents, for my, my mom and my stepdad, they were like the self-help guru seminar people growing up. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys ever experienced that, but, but it's like every weekend, my parents were taking me to a, a John Maxwell event or a Jim Rohn event. Or, and one time they, they decided they wanted to take me to see this guy named Tony Robbins. I don't know if it was for them or if it was for me. I'm not really sure. I haven't figured it out. But uh, it was actually down here in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. And uh, we go in there the first night, and this guy's like, it's like this hype music and all this stuff, and people are crazy. And they're like, we want you to separate from all your friends because we want you to have your own experience. And, uh, and so I go away from my stepdad and my stepbrother, and, and we're just having a great time. Well, I'm having a great time by myself. I'm 17, 18 years old, and I'm just enjoying it like crazy because I just like hype music and lots of people. It's a good time for me. It's like a party waiting to happen. And, uh, and so this is taking place, and, and before long, they're like, are you guys ready? And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. They're like, we're opening up the back doors. Get outside. And, of course, being a 17 or 18-year-old, you know, I've got to be the first person in line because, you know, that's just what 17, 18-year-olds do. And so I book out there, and I'm about the first person out of 10,000. And uh, when I get out there, I find myself standing in front of burning red-hot coals. And uh, I was like, now I know why they say uh, teenagers are ignorant and <laughs> just don't know any better. <laughs> but uh, I get out there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? And, uh, you know, I, I turn around because I'm, I'm ready to dip out, and there's, like, this really cute girl behind me, and then, like, about 700 other people in my line, and I'm like, I'm stuck. And they're like, hey, this is what we want you guys to do. We want you guys 
to walk across these burning hot coals. I'm like, that's sweet. I got shoes on. I got that down. And they're like, but we need to take your shoes off first. And, uh, and it's about 30 yards of this. And they said, you know what? On the other side is a towel. And we want you guys to focus on that towel, focus on saying cool moss, and when you get to the other side, celebrate. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, man, I cannot believe I'm going to do this. And so, you know, being the first person, man, I, I take off cool moss, cool moss, cool moss, cool moss, cool moss. It's probably a little bit quicker than this, but cool moss. And, and I get to the other side, and I wipe my feet off, and I just start celebrating because I didn't get burnt. And I thought at that moment, what power God has given us in our minds. What power he's given us. In fact, he talks about this in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He says, we demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, we demolish, we destroy anything that's a pretension. You know what that is? That's, that's before stress. Anything before stress, we can demolish those things. God has given us the power in our mind to look at things, to focus on him, and take those things captive. And then go by what he says. And, and the whole thing is, is in that moment I learned that focus is the key to succeeding in a relationship with God. When we focus on God instead of our problem, our problems seem to dissipate. Because the reality is, is there was a bunch of people, they started walking across there, and they got focused on the problem of red-hot coals, and they got burnt, and they got taken away in an ambulance. But the people who focused on the end result, focused on the promises that God had for them, were the ones who made it through and found victory that day. And this is the thing. In 2 Timothy 1 says, and it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. God hasn't given us this spirit to fear things, to be afraid, but he's given us power, love, and a sound mind to do all things through him who strengthens us. And so this is awesome in theory. Like, man, that's great. Take after the thoughts, focus. But how do we do that practically? I mean, how does that practically happen every day? And, and for me, it's, it, I've made it real simple. I carry a pen around with me everywhere I go. And so uh, when I have these wild, irrational thoughts, I take out a pen and I write them down. And I look at it and I say, man, that's, that's from God? Or, man, that is crazy. And uh, when it's crazy, I crumble that junk up and I toss it out. Because the reality is, is if we don't get rid of those things, man, they will grip us with fear. Another thing I do is I, I call friends that are further along in their faith than me. And I say, man, is this crazy? Because how many of you guys know that relationships are a good thing? And when we have relationships in life, they can help us out. Man, I'll call them up and be like, man, am I crazy to do this? And they'll be like, no, that's a good idea. Okay, that's great. But when it's a bad idea, they're like, dude, that's crazy. You need to toss that junk out. Don't do that. And so, man, we, we have relationships in life to help us with that. And so we need to fear not. And the second thing we needed to do is we need to stand firm. We need to hold our ground. And uh, when, I was, when we were in the midst of this marriage thing, I can remember being in that bathtub and just, just seeing the thing that I feared the most happening in my life. See, I come from a broken home. And uh, when I got married, the thing that I, I said I'm never going to do is I'm never going to get a divorce. That's the thing that there was, it was so much pain on my own life that I never wanted to put anybody else through that. And, and so when we got married and I was seeing my marriage fall apart, and I remember sitting there starting to cry in that bathtub. And my stepdad, I'm so thankful for my stepdad that day because he was such a blessing to me. And he came over and said, man, what's going on? And I started sharing with him what was happening in our relationship. And I started sharing the hurts and the pains that we were experiencing. And I remember him, him grabbing me on the shoulder and saying, TJ, I want you to go home and just stand. Just go home and don't give up. Don't ever, ever give up. And I think that it was such a godly principle there that he was saying, you know what, just go home and fight for that thing. 
And the reality is, is I found a whole bunch of statistics that, that, that talked about studies on marriage. And one of them said that, that when they rated a marriages on an, that were uh, not doing so well, they, it was a zero to seven point scale. They rated 10 marriages and they, they said, hey man, we want you guys to go and just stand firm. And the people that rated them on a one to two point scale, when they came back five years later, because they just stood, were all at a six or above. And a lot of times I think God just wants us to be able to stand, not to run. Because the reality is, is when fear comes and obstacles come, can you imagine four million people with livestock and children taking off in a, in a mad dash? The children of Israel. Can you imagine the chaos that would have happened? Can you imagine the lives that would have been lost and all of that? It would have been a huge tragedy. And so many times, instead of standing and holding our ground, we make this huge tragedy and run away from things instead of letting God come and be our source of strength and power in those times. And this is the thing, guys. It doesn't take a lot of faith to stand. In Matthew 17, 20, it says, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it will be done. And right before that, it says, Because of your unbelief, and this is Jesus talking and saying, Listen, guys, you don't need a ton. If you have a glimmer of hope, an ounce of faith, man, anything is possible with me. And some of you guys out there are pretty hopeless right now. Some of you guys are facing situations where you are just paralyzed and gripped by fear. And God's just saying, grab a glimmer of hope and stand on that. Grab hold of that thing. And ha- practically, how do we do that? You know, I, I think there's a couple ways. I think one of them is, is man, we've got we to gotta find God's promises in his word. You know, in the Bible, there are over 7,000 promises, and each one of them has a premise. And if we go and we find a promise for our situation, we say, God, man, I'm going to stand right here on this. I'm going to take this, and this is going to be my glimmer of hope. For Shayla and I, man, I took this verse that said, the two shall become one. And I went home and I said, you know what? I'm going to believe that she is going to understand my heart of where I'm at right here because we're one person. And you know what? Our marriage is greater today than I could have ever imagined because we found a promise and we stood on it. Another way that I think that we can practically do that, that we can stand, is, man, we've got to have people in our lives. Nothing beats a good friend who loves God and loves you. And uh, we named this church Coastal Community Church for a reason because we believe this should be a place where we can find life-giving relationships who will hold us, who will stand with us, who will believe with us, who will hold us accountable, who will love us, who will encourage us, will hold us up when we can't stand ourselves. And that's what this place is all about. And I believe that if you and I are going to face the situations that paralyze us, we have got to find God's word and some people that will stand with us. And so we, we gotta we got go and we gotta we gotta we gotta fear not and focus on God. And we gotta stand firm and hold our ground. And 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 finally, man, we gotta expect God to help us. We just have to have an expectation on God because. When our back's against the wall and we're paralyzed, we have, the situ- we have the opportunity to say, you know what? I'm toast, man. Life is over. I have no hope. Or we can say, you know what? God is for me. God is with me. And greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And uh, here's the thing, guys. This book right here, the Bible, is full of thousands and thousands of stories of God taking care of his kids. Over and over again, that's what this book is all about. It's about God taking care of his kids. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know what? He's going to take care of his kids. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And uh, 
Listen, God loves you, and he is right there in your situation. But this is the thing. He is waiting for your declaration of faith. He is waiting for you to declare that he is bigger than your situation, that you're going to stand on him for him to intervene in your situation. No matter where you are and what is happening, God is right there. He is right there. But God is building a people who will trust him, who will trust him fully and completely no matter what is happening and what's taking place. And you and I, we can go through our lives and we can write our story with a pen of fear. We can go and write our story with a pen of blame. We can write our story with a pen of imagining the worst case scenario. But I tell you this, man, it will cause pain and death in your life. Or we can go and we can write our story with a pen of faith. And when we trust God and we put an expectation on him, he does great things in our lives. I love what Isaiah says in 43 verses 1 and 2. It says, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. He's saying, you know what, God? You are my kids. Man, I love you. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. He doesn't say that we're not going to go through things. He doesn't say that there's not going to be fears and obstacles that come in our life. But this is what he does say. He says, when you put an expectation on me and you trust in me, man, you will not be harmed and you will make it through any case, any scenario in life. And here's the thing, when, we, the, when the Israelites put their trust in him, and when they declared their faith, God opened up their barrier for them to pass through. And the obstacles and the fears and the adversities that were facing them came running after them, and they were swallowed up. And I'm telling you here today, God wants to do something miraculous in your life. He wants to swallow up some fears and some adversities and some, some things that have got you paralyzed and stuck in your situation. And he's ready to make your feet like Heinz feet, so you can walk towards him and towards your future. And I want to pray for you guys here today. And, uh, and I'd ask that you guys would close your eyes and bow your heads. And, and there's, a, there's some different people I want to pray for. There's, there's two groups of people that I, that I want to pray for today. And the first group is, is maybe, you know what, uh, you're sitting here today and you say, you know what, I, I've never had a relationship with God. I've, I don't even know him. He's, he's not my dad and I'm not his kid. And, uh, man, I'm paralyzed in my situation. And I've been fighting this so long. And I'm tired. And I'm ready to put my trust in Christ for the very first time and make him Lord and Savior of my life. And if that's you today, if you're paralyzed by something and you, and you want to know Christ, man, if you would just, if you just quickly slip up your hand at me, nobody else is looking, nobody looking around, man, I want to pray for you. I want to see God do something miraculous in your life. And I want to believe God that he's going to do. He's going to give you. Yes, I see you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? You can put your hand down. Yes, ma'am, I see you back there. Thank you. Thank you for being brave. Thank you for taking a stand for Christ. Man, I'm, we're not talking about church membership. We're not talking about anything else. We're talking about, man, I'm going I'm to accept Lord, the Lord Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Yes. And then there's a second group of people I want to pray for here. And that's some of you guys. You guys are paralyzed by fear right now. And today is the day that you need to make a declaration of faith. You need to say, you know what, God? I'm putting my trust and my faith in you. No matter what the obstacle, no matter what the circumstances, God, I'm trusting you. 
And if that's you here today, I'd ask that you just slip your hand up real quick because I want to pray with you. And I know that there is a lot of you. Yes, 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 yes. Man, tons of hands. Yes, you can, do, you can put it down real quick. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for your grace and your mercy that is everlasting, Lord. And I just pray right now for those, those people that said, you know what, I've never put my trust in Christ. Right now, Lord, we, we declare you Lord and Savior. We know that you died upon the cross so that we could have life and have it abundantly. And, and we, we repent of our sins right now. And we lay them down and we say, God, I'm, I'm tired of me being in control. And God, I put you fully and completely in control of my life. And I thank you that you are gracious and, and you are loving. And you will come and become the Lord and Savior of my heart. God, and then there's another group that's in here that's saying, you know what, I'm just going through junk right now. And God, right now, we declare that you are God and you are in control. And no matter what is happening in our life, no matter what circumstances we're going through, God, we declare that you are bigger and we put our trust and our faith in you, knowing that you are going to do a greater thing. God, we love you and we honor you. We thank you in Jesus' name.